We need to get back to where evidence matter, facts matter, and reliable data is the source of that fact and evidence, and it must start somewhere. So why not in one of our most influential part of our society, where we spend at least eight hours a day working, and who is better to drive that transformation than all of you listening? I have interviewed a dozen of experts within the field of people analytics to inspire you and share their know-how about how you can extract and use important people data in your decision making. Today I have with me Tyler Hawes from Vizier. Uh, he runs the business uh, in Europe and uh, I've actually heard you talk and got so excited about what you are saying. So we had to have this, we have to have to, to have this conversation basically. Uh, I'm gonna go direct, jump into it. You wanna present yourself maybe. Let's, let's start that, I'm so excited. So that's well, I'm excited too. Yeah. It's, it's, a, right. it's an easy topic to get passionate about. Yeah. So uh, that's great. So, so my name is Tyler Hawes and uh, I've been in the analytics space for the last 15 years. Uh, most of it, interestingly enough, with finance, treasury, and accounting teams, but now for the last few years uh, with uh, workforce analytics. So working more closely with HR, and I run uh, Vizier's European business. All right. Cool to have you here, and uh, it's going to be interesting to hear uh, some of your thinking. Uh, let's start with the questions I have. Uh, what are the tr industry trends or innovation you're looking forward to see in the future uh, right now? Yeah, th that's there's a lot to be excited about uh, in the industry right now. A lot of really interesting projects that people are working on. Uh, my answer, though, I'm going to go a little bit back to the basics. I had a conversation with a uh, very well-known HR leader a few months ago, and we were talking very deeply about people analytics. And he asked me a question, and it really got me thinking because he said, what I want to know is how close are we going to get to being able to deliver people insight to the frontline managers and really instill change in them? And I think that's a really important concept because we find, and I think this, this rings true from anybody in the people analytics place, there's a lot of really good work going on in people analytics departments. But really, how effective are we at cascading that valuable information out to the frontline managers and driving change? And by the way, that's really difficult to do. Yeah. Because you have to make sure that you simplify the information. You have to make sure that you secure the information. You have to make sure that you're able to disseminate and communicate that information out to people. And that's just really hard. It's extremely hard. <laughs> so gonna, I think over the next couple of years, yeah. where I think that we're going to see, uh, hopefully we see that people analytics has a much broader impact upon the frontline manager. Mm -hmm. Uh, and this is what got me excited uh, because this is exactly what I've been kind of working with the last uh, two and a half years. How do we get that to the frontline manager? How do mm -hmm. we make, because, and, and it is, like you say, it is very hard because the frontline managers don't have the expertise, the data science behind it, the, the behavioral Correct. science behind it. So you have to, and you catch it in the simplifying state, you really have to simplify it back to the cornerstones of, of building a brick, of, of the bricks. Yeah. You know, and showing this is the brick you have to carry. And, and that is extremely hard. 
It, it is. And, you know, GDPR didn't do us any favors either, no. um, you know, no, not uh, as it relates to disseminating information to frontline managers. And so we find that companies now are getting asked a lot more questions, that they're being scrutinized, that now audit departments are looking at that process of yeah. disseminating information, of democratizing information. So, again, it's just a lot of complexities in doing it. Yeah. And, and uh, going back to, to real examples, what, uh, what specific real fo- world examples can you like share with us uh, of the impact that the PA project has upon an organization? Yeah, you, you know, um, there's fortunately, there's lots of them. Unfortunately, though, I find that many of them aren't as well quantified as they should be. And I'll give an example, and then I'll give, I think, a better example. Uh, one example is, is we know of one company who's been able to reduce their overall uh, attrition rate from 15% to 11% because they believe that they were able to better understand reasons why people were leaving the business and able to make corrective measures. That's really good. But I also think that they fell short of actually quantifying the impact that that had upon the business in terms of bottom line. Think about that in terms of opportunity cost, in terms of hiring costs, in terms of exit costs, in terms of all these different costs associated with it. They could easily come up with a very large number that would make better sense to the organization. Now, now flip that to another organization that we know of who literally delivered on a silver platter to the CFO 90 million euros of budget budgetary uh, savings that they found that the CFO could now use to throughout the organization in, in some other way. And they were able to do that through a workforce planning project because they were able to understand uh, attrition rates better, hiring needs better, total cost of workforce better, um, all these different elements associated with the workforce that they were able to, to reduce their um, variance, their budgetary variance from 8% on workforce costs, now down to 3% of workforce costs, which freed up all of this cash, budgetary cash, to now be used by the CFO in some other way. If Think about just for a minute yeah. the reaction from the CFO when the people analytics team presented that to the CFO. I mean, I don't even know. Mind I can, blowing. I don't even know if I can think of anything that has a, yeah. a better impact than than that conversation. With no, <laughs> I mean my CFO would love me, and I'm not very lovable. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, 90 million euros, you can, uh, yeah, 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 it can make anybody lovable. Exactly, exactly. So now I know what I have to do. Um, okay, let, let's let's go more on the practice part. What are the best practicing in driving adoption of people analytics or quantify uh, the impacts internally in a company? Yeah. So uh, let me address that in two ways. Let's first talk about adoption Mm -hmm. and then let's talk about how we actually quantify impact. So uh, as it relates to adoption, uh, there's a one liner that that, um, I heard that I've kind of incorporated into my own vernacular, which is your people analytics strategy is only as strong as your change management plan. And that's, I think, strong food for thought because you can come up with the greatest charts, analytics, metrics in the world, but unless there is an accompanying way to actually get people to change their behavior and frontline managers to look at the information, it's just not going to be adopted. So when you walk into a people analytics function, a lot of times they're thinking about the technology side, which is very important, but oftentimes they're not thinking about the real change management side. So that that's one element. The, the next element has to do with actually how to quantify the impact. Uh, so 
I feel that within the HR space, we're really good at some of the qualitative measures, but I feel like a muscle that needs to be exercised better are the quantitative measures. Mm -hmm. And so the exercise that I'll play with a company is I'll walk in, I'll say, can you tell me what the top five metrics are that the CFO and the CEO are measured on? And if they can't ask that, Mm -hmm. if they can't answer that, yeah. Then how are they going to be able to tie their people analytics strategy or project or function or metrics mm. to what the CFO or what the CEO cares about? So that way if you're if if you're wanting to get funding for a project you got to tie those right. two things together. I have actually two comments on that because that's really interesting. Uh, I, I worked at a company, uh, international company, working with glasses and lenses. And and um, I got extensive budget through with the CEO where we got I got funding for over half a million Swedish crowns to, to really invest in the people in my team. I had 150 people in my team. And, and uh, to make them more effective, how mm-hmm. do you work, you know, how do we build that cohesion and uh, after that happening our our HR manager always came to me and said you know I I need to go and ask for some money can you help me Mm -hmm. and that that is that is the educational part and then my second comment is actually based on what you talk about that it is again it it needs this about change management Uh, working with weekly sometimes when I meet a company I come out and say "You, you know what this is not for you you're not ready I, I, I know I'm saying no to money, mm-hmm. but I'd rather say no to money that I have a client who will be dissatisfied exactly. and say, well, this, was, this this didn't work. This was just another tool that didn't work. I'd rather say no now. And it, this, this is a hard decision. Sometimes I don't, but but, but you try to. So it's, it, you, you, I, I think you bring up really important points, actually. Yeah. To, to your first point, uh, you're right. Cohesion yeah. is really important. Yeah. But how do you justify a spend? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cohesion, right? <laughs> absolutely. Well, it, you gotta again, have something I, else. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I justify yeah. the half a million crown yeah. on on that we actually showed in how we invested a smaller amount of money Great. in different teams and made them sell more. Yeah, going from ten glasses to thirty glasses exactly, sales a day. Yeah. That was what made the CEO open up his pocket. Exactly. Not that right oh, you know, we want to build a nice culture. Da 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 yeah. da. It was about hardcore facts. That yeah. it was a business case. I actually made a real business case, like exactly. I would pitch on an investor uh, type of one. That's what you know. That it's hard to do if you've never done it before. It's what you need to do. So, um, I mean. Uh, <sighs> How do you justify investment? I mean, there there is a lot of things going on, you know, and and you can buy this and buy that, and let's 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 invest more money again. It's about investing. Uh, how do you make investment? How do you make companies uh, afford all this cool new innovation? To achieve comprehensive collaboration, you need to understand the people and the needs of your organization. This is where people analytics fits into your work. Do you go with your gut feeling or do you have real numbers supporting your intuition? Maybe uh, I'll first address this in terms of things that we should stop doing. so when I will talk to a people analytics function, uh, oftentimes when I ask them for, okay, justify your investment to me, here are the words that I hear. We're going to do this because it's going to save us time. Or we're going to do this because uh, it's going to give us more accurate reports. 
or we're going to do this because we're going to get better insight into the business and the workforce, mm. or we're going to get cleaner data. And all of those items are important. But the question I would ask for the listening audience is how much is the people who hold the budget, how much are they really going to pay for those items? So not, not and, and I would just say not very much. So, <laughs> yeah. so, so I kind of look at it and say this, let's stop saying those things. And those are the easy things mm -hmm. to gravitate towards. They're, they're really easy. The more difficult things are going to be really addressing a business need that's going to deliver mm -hmm. results for the business. Think about Dave Ulrich. What does Dave Ulrich yeah. always say? He says, HR is not about HR. HR is about the business. And it's not about making your life better in terms of providing better insight, cleaner data, uh, saving time, generating more accurate reports. It's actually delivering to the business. And I'll always just say, this is not easy to do because no, it requires uh, an understanding of the business and yeah. what the business is trying to achieve. Yeah, and and maybe it requires. And let's. I wasn't actually going to discuss this topic, but let's let's just uh, you know scratch it on the surface at least. Mm. So how did how does because that's what you're talking about. How do how does HR need to change to get there? Because it's, I mean I've seen organizations who are there, but I also see large corporations with like 20, 30, 40 people people in the HR department that are in disarray still. Mm -hmm. They don't have this, again, this, this forward way thinking, what you're talking about. How do they need to evolve? Do you yeah, have an so, idea about it? I mean, yeah. this is, this is so, of course- So, so I have, a, I have a, a couple of exercises yeah. that, I, that I play ah, with, uh, with, uh, with, with companies that are trying to justify an ROI. Um, none of them are complex per se, and they're not mm. perfect, but they are interesting exercises. And I say, we're going to play the Twitter game. You have a tweet and you're going to walk into the CFO's office or whoever holds the budget, right? CHRO, yeah. it can be a variety of people. IT, I'm just using the CFO because it's easy to go yeah. to. You have justify your expenditure in a tweet. Okay. That's going to force you. Yeah. Uh -huh. To really, because a lot of times they'll come <laughs> yeah. up with this long answer and it's like, no, 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 no. You, you have a tweet. Yeah. And if you can't do that in a tweet, then uh, you, you, you probably don't have a sound business case. Yeah. So that's, that's exercise number one. Yeah, it's a, yeah, absolutely. That's a good one. E I like that. Exercise number two is go to a whiteboard yeah. and right along the bottom, some of these... Uh, elements that you're hoping to gain from your project, whether that be save time, better reporting, deeper insight, and then you start playing the so what game. And then you draw a line upwards and say, okay, we need better reports or we need, we need uh, more accurate reports. So what? Well, we are showing improper headcount mm. that doesn't agree with finance. So what? You start playing that game mm, up the chain, deeper, yeah. get five or six levels deeper, and then it should be because, oh, because we're not helping the CFO obtain the 15% increase in earnings growth that he wants. That's, we're talking. Now we're talking business. Yeah. That's a very good ex exercise. I mean, everybody should listen to this. 
now I have to make everybody is listening to this. Really, I'm honest. Uh, I never heard it. And, and the third exercise, you want to share that? No, that was it. Was two and exercises. Was two, two, okay, okay, I, okay. I have more exercises, but let's all just right. do two for today. All right, all right. Uh, I'm just going to touch a little bit because we're going to round up soon. But uh, yeah. touch a little bit also on the surface about uh, predictive. Yeah. So just just give me your. You know, I'm yeah. not going to ask any specific question. Just give me your idea about it. Is it going to work? I mean, I I came into this business or this area field of area work of area uh, because of the predictive stuff uh, because I believe humans are predictable uh, in in their behavior. Mm-hmm. Uh, so give me just your yeah top down. Uh, okay, so my cynical view is uh, <laughs> that give it to me. Predictive is one of the most overused words that we have uh, right. right now in the industry. Good, uh, it's really important, yeah. and it really is, and it's going to uh, there's there's it's there's a revolution going on which is great as it relates to predictive but it's very overused uh everybody's talking about it and and i find that companies are doing predictive because either everybody else is doing it or they have some data and they want to try and do some cool predictive stuff or the third thing is that they actually have a legitimate business need and and it's the third one you got to focus on the second one and i'll give an example I, i know of an organization that um had data to be able to uh, predict how likely a new employee was going to do their training in uh, their onboarding training um, early. Wow. Yeah, but who cares? Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's like just because they have the data, so so what? Yeah. Right? And so... uh, Weird. Exactly. So I find that a lot of times predictive projects don't tie to a business need. But but, but here's a a framework, at least for your listeners, to think about how to look at predictive. One is to look at it through workforce attributes, such as who's going to exit the business, who's going to get promoted in the business, who's going to move jobs, and be able to predict that. And you Mm. can do that with technology today. Second way to look at it is through workforce planning. Yeah. If you look at Burson's four levels and um, predictive, workforce planning is in there, real workforce planning. And that's, you know, that that's, in, 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 from my end, that's taking 10 scenarios the CFO gives you and saying, okay, we're going to be able to predict what the cost of the workforce is going to be, what the headcount of the workforce is going to be, and what the hiring needs are going to be for the workforce. And then there's the third thing, which is what if scenarios and really addressing things such as what is the female headcount going to look like if exit if the exit rate changes or if the applicant rate changes that's the way i think people should be thinking about those three areas on how they can be thinking about predictive without it being just so complex and so big that you can't tackle it yeah yeah it business needs goes back to that so my last questions now and this is kind of a my crescendo because this is something i think about often uh, this is something I discuss. I mean, we measure at, at weekly. We measure uh, when, what I work with, um, uh, kind of psychosocial health, leadership, engagement, da da da, cultural indexes, and so on. Um, and when I when I meet uh, the CEO or the leadership team, executive teams, they usually talk about the Discord. You know, we have set up a strategy, strategy, uh, and we're not getting it out. Mm. So. Why do employees, do you think, uh, based on what we talked about, so often uh, fail to act in accordance with, uh, you know, uh, company strategy that the executive team has set up? What could be the issues, do you think? 
Yeah, I'll answer that with a story of right. actually an example, a positive example that I saw. All right. So when when we go in and talk to companies, we spend a lot of time going through their financial disclosures, their website, and compiling information mm. uh, about the business. And a lot of times we're presenting that back to the business. In many cases, they're saying, oh, yeah, I guess so, right? You know, and you're like, well, I got this from your CEO on the website and you're telling me that you don't know this, you know? But I'll tell you of an example where, and I think it was one of the only few times I've really ever seen this, where every single person, I was in a room of 12 people hmm. and they got it. Like they understood what the company mission was because on their website, we pulled off of their website, a slide deck that the CEO gives. And it had our strategy on one slide and we put that and we showed that to them. And everybody immediately says, oh yeah, we know what this is. We can all recite this by heart, mm. they said. And I said, I'm fascinated. Like I was just, yeah. I was just blown away. I'm like, okay, tell me more. And they said, well, this is the beginning and the end of every employee, all employee meeting that we have. We review this slide. Mm. We have this in our break rooms. Mm. We have this repeated to us all the time. And it was one of those unique opportunities where I saw how deeply the mm. company's strategy mm. was making it to the to the lowest of employees yeah. because of repetition, 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 simplicity, simplicity, simplicity. And I think that that's a lot of times where we get them, uh, uh, we, we, you know, where, where companies aren't getting into it yeah. because it's not simple enough to fit on one slide. Yeah, and it's not being communicated repetitively throughout the entire year at almost every venue possible. Yeah. And you know why I ask you this question because you're already actually doing. Even if we are talking about people analytics, you've been answering these questions all the time. This the same questions all the time in each answer, and it's it's really nice to hear you you you, you talk about it. Uh, I agree with you. Um, I think I have like tons of other questions, but but maybe for next time or for another time. future time. Uh, I want to thank you for joining, and uh, uh, again, good luck. Thank you very much. Been yeah. a pleasure. Thanks. are the questions that every business leader asks themselves. You can either use your intuition or just add people analytics data to your decision making, making sure to better understand the underlying drivers behind building a high performance team.